0: Well, good morning. We uh, really would want everyone to have a Bible and have it open. So if you have your Bible, open it to James chapter 3, verse 13. And if you don't have a Bible, I think we have some ushers here that can help you. If uh, you would like one, just raise your hand and we'll get you a Bible. So right down here in the front, we need a Bible, guys. Right here in the front. And uh, why do we do this? Because the Word of God, what, what we're preaching here this morning is what's going to fill you and uh, give you nourishment and change you. So all all we do here at, at Palm Bus is we break open the Word of God and we read it together, and then by God's grace, the preacher preaches this message that really God has for you. So you can think of this morning as God speaking to you. What's amazing is he would use my lips... For I am a fallen, very flawed man, but our hope is this, and that's why I want you to have this open and reading. Here's the word. Here's the word of life. And as we preach it, you would be studying it, and you would be asking the Lord, Lord, show me what you're saying here. And there's an anointing and there's a blessing that comes as we read it together and study it together. So let us study this morning now about wisdom from above. James 3, verse 13 through verse 18. James 3, verse 13, through verse 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness that comes from wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Verse 15. of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Lord, we want to be peacemakers who sow a harvest of righteousness as we live according to your wisdom and not the wisdom of this world. But Father... We come as those who live by the wisdom of the world. It's the only wisdom we've known, Lord. Even those of us who've walked with you for years, sadly, Father, we still delve into the wisdom from below, This, this earthly, unspiritual, demonic wisdom. And we're so sorry. And we're so confident now, Father, that you want to change us and give us your wisdom. So now anoint my lips to make that clear and anoint the ears of everyone here to live it. As your truth comes to them, in Jesus' name, amen. My father taught me how to drive 38 years ago. My dad, Roberto Pino, drove all his life in Miami. In the 50s and 60s, he drove a milk truck delivering milk in Miami Beach. In the 70s and 80s and early 90s, he drove his car to all of the small little Hispanic grocery stores in Miami. By the way, one of those was Sedano's when it was just a mom-and-pop store, uh, representing different food brands. He drove all his life in Miami. never forget, Dad, his arm out the window, never had the AC on, driving around, and he taught me how to drive. He taught me how to drive. Dad was a, a good driver. He was a defensive driver. But Dad was an aggressive driver. And I still remember Dad's lessons. Son, when you get on the freeway... You get going really fast. you got to go as fast as these cars that you're merging into. Now, son, don't look back because if you look back and the guy in front of you stops, that's an accident. You look forward and with one eye, you kind of look out of that side view mirror. So you're, you're leaning forward, you're checking out the cars, and boom, you're in. Never forget that. Scared me to death the first time I did it. Son, always check your mirrors. You always have to be know what's going on around you in case there's a problem in front of you. you got to know which way am I going to move if I have to... Uh, avoid a problem. Son, when you make a left-hand turn, you get in that left-hand turn lane, keep your wheel pointed forward. Don't turn it yet until you go. Why? Why, Dad? Because if the guy behind you hits you, if your wheel's forward, he'll push you this way, not into the oncoming traffic. I still remember my dad teaching me how to drive. And funny, you know, 38 years later, uh, I've had the opportunity to teach four teenagers how to drive. The current one is Joseph, and uh, he's learning on a stick shift, manual transmission. So we've had some fun. And uh, actually, he's a good driver, and as are the girls, and they've learned quickly. But, but learning to drive in Miami, learning how to navigate traffic in Miami was something my dad taught me and something I, as a father, am teaching my children. And today, learning not how to drive literally, in Miami, but learning how to drive metaphorically, symbolically, or maybe a better way of saying it, learning how to live in Miami is what our heavenly father wants to teach us. And it will serve us well, just like I've been served well these last 38 years driving. This will serve us for all eternity, both now in this life and in the life to come. Learning how to live, and as the title of this message says, with wisdom from above. That's what this passage is all about. It's learning how to live according to a wisdom from God, our Heavenly Father, driving the way He teaches us and not the way the world teaches us, a wisdom from below. That's what this message really is all about, my friends. You know, so many of us, when we live our life, it is like driving, isn't it? There's chaos, there's traffic, there's delays. Sometimes we find ourselves late to an appointment, weaving in and out of traffic like a crazy person, like most people in South Florida. Cutting people off, riding the bumper of the guy in front of us, blowing through red lights. Wisdom from below. Wisdom that leads to chaos, disorder, and problems. God wants us this morning to learn a different way to drive, a way to live that is gentle and peaceful, that produces not disorder and every vile thing, but peace and righteousness. You know, I I just remember, and I've, I've shared this before from the pulpit, but I just remember a classic example of what I believe this morning's message is about which really is live according to God's wisdom from above in order to please the Lord. Live according to God's wisdom from above in order to please the Lord. But I just remember this, and pardon if you've heard this before, (laughs) driving on the Baltimore-Washington Parkway. We're flying up there today with my good friend Bill, who's a pastor in our church in Pennsylvania. And we're running late to a class that we're supposed to attend pastor's college class. And I just remember pulling right onto the parkway, and they have rolling hills there. And just, we're up on a hill, and I'm I'm seeing bumper-to-bumper traffic as far as the eye can see. And I was just leaning forward to instruct Bill how to drive like a crazy person, weaving in and out of traffic on the shoulder of the road so we could get there on time. And I was just about to say the words, and Bill just turns to me and goes, you know, Al, I wonder what God's providence has for us on the Baltimore-Washington Parkway. And I went, me too, Bill. I was wondering that exact same thing. And he just peacefully moved into traffic. And you know what? We got there. We got there. What a picture of what this morning's message is about. Do we live by that wisdom from above? Friends, a wisdom that trusts God because it's a wisdom that says God is in control and it enables us to live from a wisdom from above that's meek and gentle. A wisdom that those who don't know that God is in control, or like me who forgets, don't have. So, how are we living our lives? How are we living? Are we living, as it says here in your notes, the propositional statement, according to God's wisdom from above in order to please the Lord? Or are we living by a wisdom from below that's chaotic, that's crazy? Look at verse 13. Look at verse 13. It says here, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom, in the meekness of wisdom. The the opening question here of this passage in the first century was directed by James to these false teachers, these false leaders who thought they were wise, but whose conduct and works failed to show any wisdom from God. Because God's wisdom wisdom is marked by meekness. Their wisdom was marked by arrogance. And so, This morning, what we want to do is three things. There's three points under the main thematic statement, which is live according to God's wisdom from above in order to please the Lord. We want to do three things, three points this morning on your notes. Number one, we want to define the wisdom from above. We want to define the wisdom from above. Number two, we want to differentiate between the wisdom from above and the wisdom from below. We want to define the wisdom from above. We want to differentiate between the wisdom from above and the wisdom from below. And number three, we want to determine in our hearts, guys, that we're going to live lives that please the Lord. We're going to live a life that pleases the Lord. So number one, let us define the wisdom that is from above. How is Scripture defined that wisdom? Well, look at verse 13. There's there's a definition right there. Verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom, in the meekness of wisdom. The Bible, the Bible defines this might be a good thing to jot down. The Bible defines meekness as the defining moral characteristic of wisdom. Meekness, meekness is the defining moral characteristic of wisdom meekness is the defining moral characteristic of wisdom the greek word that here is translated meekness is the word praus praus and this greek word praus here is defined as is translated as meekness elsewhere in scripture it's translated as gentle. So one Greek word, praus, has a range of meaning. And that range of meaning includes two very important words, meek and gentle. Meek and gentle. And just jot down this reference. The other place that praus is translated, this time it says gentle, is in Matthew 11, 29. Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29. And in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29 we find here Jesus, he's speaking, and he's saying the following. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. Praus, that's that Greek word praus. I am gentle and lowly in heart. Folks, the definition of wisdom begins not with a principle or a philosophy, but with a person, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Remember, what's the title of the message? Wisdom from above. In this passage, there are two times when James says, the wisdom of above, the wisdom from above. So the wisdom that we're talking about isn't primarily a principle or a philosophy. Oh, it ends up being a principle or a philosophy, but it's a principle. It's a philosophy personified by Jesus. It's a person. Remember when we preached on Proverbs years ago? And remember, Corey brought this truth to us. Folks, the wisdom of God that is taught in Proverbs, it's teaching a person. It's Jesus. It's a, it, Jesus personifies wisdom from above. So to begin our message, you want to define wisdom? Here's a definition of wisdom. Jesus Christ. You want to know what wisdom looks like? Jesus Christ. God personifies to us the very wisdom from above that he wants us to live. He came from above. Jesus was meek. Jesus was gentle. That's what it says in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. He is gentle. Now, meekness, it's not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. Who was stronger than Jesus? No one. Who could have ushered in all the armies of heaven to rescue him from the cross? Jesus. But he didn't do it. See, the strongest one has to be the meekest one because meekness is strength under control. So the very definition of wisdom is meekness. Is meekness. There's a great passage in 1 Corinthians 130. Just jot that down. 1 Corinthians 130, we're defining wisdom. Wisdom is defined as a person. That person is Jesus and it's marked by meekness or gentleness. But 1 Corinthians 130 says And because of him, you are in Christ, who became to us wisdom from God. Wisdom from God. Jesus became to us wisdom from God. Dear unbelieving friend, Jesus is wisdom. And apart from him, you cannot find wisdom. I pray that this morning you would come to Christ. He would draw you to himself and you would know wisdom personified. And find peace for your soul. Dear believing friend, dear Christian who you've walked with Jesus and he is your wisdom. Perhaps you are like me. You get on the Baltimore Washington Parkway and it's a traffic jam and it's a mess and you're tempted to take charge. Oh, friend, Jesus is your wisdom and he's meek. Trust God this morning. Trust God this morning. You see, this wisdom, a definition of wisdom, is meekness, is Christ. The wisdom from above has a Godward direction. It has a Godward direction. It points us to God. That orientation of life must lead to a profound practical effect. Wisdom from above changes how I drive. I mean, literally, because oftentimes our driving physically reflects how we live spiritually. So the wisdom from above is, is a gritty, purposeful, down on the runway, rubber meets the road, practical way of living. Wisdom is a way of living. What God's saying here is, I want you to learn how to live in a way that trusts me from my wisdom, and there's an elegance to that way of living. There's an elegance there. There's a peace there. There's a righteousness there. So that's what we're talking about. Is your life characterized by that kind of meekness? Is your life lived in the wisdom from above? Or do you find yourself driving like a demon, weaving in and out of traffic, metaphorically speaking, maybe even literally? Maybe that's the way you drove here this morning. Don't raise your hand. God, God wants to change that wisdom. He wants you to live according to his wisdom from above, which is marked by meekness. Now, point two, it's very important that we discern here the difference between wisdom from above, wisdom from below, wisdom from above, wisdom from below. That is the main portion of this text, this contrast. So let's take a look at it. Point two. Looking now at verses 14 to 16 of James 3. Verses 14 to 16 of James 3. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. You see that phrase? The wisdom that comes down from above. But is earthly, wisdom from below, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. So how do we differentiate between wisdom from above and wisdom from below? Well, let me tell you one key way. What's the fruit? What does our life look like? In this text, in verse 16, it says that wisdom from below will produce disorder and every vile practice. That word disorder can also be translated tumult, that Greek word. A tumultuous, chaotic, disorderly life. Your life's a mess. You're running from appointment to appointment at breakneck speed, cutting people off, cursing people, people cursing you, driving around on the bumper of the guy in front of you. Your mind's a mess. Your house is a mess. Your finances are a mess. Life's just a mess. Welcome to disorder, which is like an x-ray to tell you what kind of wisdom you're living from. And for some of us, that disorder is just in one little area of our life. But boom, there it is. I'm living by a wisdom that's not from above but below. And then the second uh, phrase, every vile thing, there in verse 16, every vile thing, literally, that can be translated, every worthless thing. So the result of a worldly wisdom is disorder and everything that is worthless, everything that is worthless. Now, it kind of amps up this worldly wisdom by describing it as earthly, unspiritual, demonic This wisdom is not of heaven, it's of earth. This wisdom is not spiritual, it's unspiritual. You know what's interesting here? That term unspiritual, if you take a look at, just jot this down, 1 Corinthians 2.14. 1 Corinthians 2.14. It speaks of a natural man, an unspiritual man. And you know how it marks that natural person? 1 Corinthians 2.14. He does not understand the things of the spirit. He does not understand the things of the spirit. So, The the, the wisdom from below simply cannot understand what's going on, what God is doing. It's unable to do that. Typically, I'm not hearing God if I'm doing 60 miles an hour down 183rd Street, running red lights and on people's bumpers. I can't hear God. I'm definitely not hearing God. And so that's the metaphorically, when we live by this wisdom from below, we're unspiritual. And then look at the third one, demonic, demonic. See that? Verse 15, demonic. This is a wisdom that reflects Satan and images Satan rather than Christ. You want to know what wisdom from above looks like? Look at Jesus. You want to know what wisdom from below looks like? Look at Satan. We're sons of God, not Satan. We used to be sons of wrath and wickedness. Now we're sons of God. So God's saying, live like that. Live like that. Notice as well, this wisdom from below is marked by what? Bitter jealousy. Bitter jealousy. See that in verse 14? But if you have bitter jealousy, that word jealousy there, it's an interesting word. It's a Greek word. That word is called zealous. We get our word zealot from it. Someone is zealous for something. But that word zealous is the word jealousy. And that that word zealous can mean a good thing if If our zeal is for the things of God, it could be a good thing. But it's a bad thing if our zeal is for ourselves. So in Scripture, the very same word, zealous, becomes bitter jealousy here in verse 14 because we are after the things of of the world, our own things. It's a good thing when it's spoken of Jesus. He was zealous for God. He was zealous for God's uh, church. God is a jealous God. He's zealous for his own glory, which is a good thing. The wisdom from below is a bitter jealousy. Look at this selfish ambition in verse 14. Not only bitter jealousy, but selfish ambition. What kind of ambition is that? It's an ambition that is marked by rivalry, by rivalry. I don't know about you, but when I'm driving, and there's a guy right on my bumper, like right on my bumper, and, and, and I'm in the left lane. Now, I'm already doing 90, but he's right on my bumper. He pulls to the right to pass me. There's something in me that doesn't want to let him pass me. It's that selfish ambition. Metaphorically speaking now. And not that I've ever done this, but when the guy that he's trying to pass me, but there's a real slow guy in the right lane, not that I've ever sped up so that right when he's about to pass me, he's got to slow down for that guy. I've never done that. And I certainly have never slowed down so that he has to just kind of ride there between us for a while. I've never done that one. Oh, friends, sadly, sadly, my driving does reflect my wisdom from below, which is a competitive wisdom, which is a wisdom that wants to be the best. You know what kind of wisdom this is? Tell me if you've ever been at this in these shoes. It says, you know what? I can't stand that they possess what I want. It's this grasping, envious, competing, full of rivalry. Wisdom. Guys, it's. It's the air we breathe and the water we swim in. It's like we're fish that swim in the water, and because we've lived all our lives in the water, we don't know we're wet. It's the, it's the atmosphere I breathe. It's how I was taught. It's everything that this world offers me, and it's a wisdom from below. It's a wisdom from below. Now, let's take a look at the difference between that wisdom and a wisdom from above. Look at verse 17. Look at verse 17. Great verse here. Verse 17, but the wisdom from above, there's that phrase again, wisdom from above. The wisdom from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits. Those two go together. Impartial and sincere. What a wonderful list. Many people have likened this list of wisdom's characteristics to the list of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. In fact, today, if you want to do a little study, a parallel study, just jot down Galatians 5, and 23, and kind of put those two lists together. The fruit of the Spirit and this fruit of wisdom. What does what heavenly wisdom look like? You see, the wisdom from above is what we need to gaze at, look at, love, and to see, does my life match this? Does my life match this? Why? Because as it says in your notes, the wisdom from above produces peace and righteousness. See, one of the great x-ray questions is, how's your soul, Al? Like when I pull out onto the Baltimore, Washington Parkway, when I metaphorically speaking, pull out into something I don't want that is delaying me from what I think I should have or even agenda I think should be done, what do I do? Do I jump on the shoulder of the road, kicking up dust, angering everybody, weaving in and out of traffic, again, metaphorically speaking, to get what I think should be done, even if it's a good thing? God, I'm doing this one for you, buddy. I'm getting there on time for you, Lord. (laughs) Great illustration. I'm in a car full of young men going to preach the gospel at uh, this Turner Gill um, Correctional Institute on 36th Street. And we're late. And I'm on the Palmetto, the glorious Palmetto. And I'm coming over a hill, and it's locked up, baby. Without even thinking, I am in the median. Bombing. These guys are from, like, Maryland. And when I looked at them, they're all like... I mean, everybody stopped talking. Like the fish in the water. I was so used to doing that, I didn't even know I was doing it. Later... We all had a meal together at Latin American Grill. I said, hey guys, any observations from today? Wasn't it a glorious day? See, it's amazing God would even use us, isn't it? And, he, and they said, well, yeah, there was one. It was, it was how you were driving on two wheels on the side of the road. And when you flipped that one guy off, that was really interesting. Not sure what that was that. What spiritual gift is that? I did did that so so the point being how do we live you see because the first if it's tumultuous that's wisdom from below if it's peaceful and righteous that's wisdom from above look at the first one verse 17 pure the wisdom from above is first pure it's made pure by the blood of christ did god use us at turner turner gill correctional institute when we preached the gospel to young men that were in there for serious crimes yes But was I right going in there? No. So what the world gave me the right to go in there? It was the blood of Jesus. I'm not excusing my behavior at all. I need to change. I'm a big sinner. We all are. But our hope is that the purity comes from Jesus. Do you see that? That's the miracle. When I first prayed this morning, Lord, use these lips, which I know have done things that Corey last week preached from the word of God. God said, don't do. I've repented for the ones I know of. But I'm human, as are you. But it starts with purity. Wisdom from above is purity because Jesus personifies wisdom. Jesus died on a cross, shed his blood to purify us. Isn't that good news? Because this list could just drive us into the ground. But rather than drive us into the ground, it, it lifts our eyes from ourselves, from the world, and says, this, this is the goal, Al. I strain for the goal. I run for the finish line. I'm going to compete like a good athlete according to the rules to win the prize. I'm not there yet. So Paul said. But by the grace of God, because there's purity here, because of the blood of Jesus, because he personifies wisdom, I am moving in that direction. Are you? Are you? Are, Are you morally pure? You can't have wisdom if you're not morally pure. How about your motivation? Why do you do what you do? Second on the list, there in your notes under wisdom from above. It's peaceable. Wisdom from above loves peace. Do we love peace with God? Because primarily the peace is with God. You're not going to have peace in this world. But you can have peace with God. And if my primary focus is peace with God, I can sit in a traffic jam on the Baltimore Washington Parkway and have peace. People can still be yelling and screaming. It can still be hot. The air conditioner can still be broken. I can still be late. Or even worse, get in an accident. But there's a peace with God that helps me walk in a peace on this earth. And it marks my life in that I'm not a person that's always looking for a fight. But I'm a person that's looking to make peace. That's are the peacemakers. They're sons of God. Why? Because he's the prince of peace. Is my life marked by peace, which looks like Jesus? If I'm a peacemaker, I'm a son of God. Or is my life marked by war? You're not passing me, buddy. Get off my bumper, buddy. I know none of you have ever done this. Like hit your brakes when they're on your bumper. (laughs) That's a person of war. We laugh. And your laughter actually betrays you. But we laugh. But can I I just say this to you? Do you want to change? Start by how you drive. I mean, I'm not joking there. Let me tell you, I'm looking right in the mirror because all my children are going, oh, come on, Dad. Please tell them that you do all of that. Yes, I do. Less than I used to, but I do. But you know what? As God is changing me, this morning was a classic example. There are actually times when I just get off everybody's bumper and if a guy's on my bumper, I just say, I just don't look in the rearview mirror and when he speeds up to pass me on the right, I don't speed up to, you know, try to outrun them. I I, I just say, Lord, I trust you. Now it's not all the time, but I'm changing. And you can too. You can too. Next gentle wisdom from above is gentle wisdom from above. This is a big one, guys. And I feel like this is one for all of us to really think about. Here it is. Wisdom from above does not demand its rights, even when it is right. Wisdom from above does not demand its rights, even when it is right. Let me give you a small illustration and a glimpse into this kind of gentle, meek wisdom, this, this gentle wisdom. By the way, remember the word gentle here, praus, can be translated meek. So this, we're talking about a synonym here, gentle, meek, they're, they're synonyms. Basically the same thing, a little different texture to what is being said. But listen to this illustration of gentleness. In baseball... Pitching a perfect game means that you get all 27 outs, all 27 batters, three batters per innings times nine innings. You get them all out without surrendering one hit, issuing one walk, or making one error. In the 100-plus years of Major League Baseball, probably well over 16,000, 17,000 games, there have only been 21 perfect games, 21. Last Wednesday night, Detroit Tigers pitcher Armando Galarraga was one out away from a perfect game. 26 batters up, 26 batters out. On the 27th and final batter, Galarraga threw the perfect pitch. Cleveland Indians shortstop Jason Donald hit a weak grounder. Detroit Tigers first baseman Miguel Cabrera fielded the ball, tossed it to Galarraga. Galarraga squeezed the ball in his mitt, touched first base with his right foot, and was ready to celebrate. What happened next will be the talk of baseball for the rest of the season and likely for a lot longer. The perfect game that wasn't. Umpire Jim Joyce emphatically called Donald safe. There goes your perfect game. There goes your no-hitter. The entire Detroit Tigers team rushed onto the field, led by their manager, Jim Leland, yelling and screaming at Joyce. The the fans, because it was a Detroit Tigers stadium, began to boo and scream and yell. Armando Galarraga had lost his perfect game by a mistaken call by Jim Joyce. Joyce, later, after seeing the replay, admitted he was wrong and in tears asked to see Galarraga and hugged him and said, please forgive me. Joyce said these words, it was the biggest call of my career and I blew it. I just cost that kid a perfect game. I don't blame him a bit for anything, or I don't blame them a bit for anything that they said as a team. I would have said it to myself had I been Galarraga. I would have been the first person in my face. But he, Galarraga, never said a word. That's right. There's replay to prove it. The truly amazing part of this story is that Galarraga never argued, though he was right. He gave a little smile, went back to the mound, pitched the 28th batter, got him out, and thus, the very first and only 28-out perfect game. See, Galarraga's gentle and gracious response to Joyce's mistake has now taken on legendary status. The following day, Galarraga and Joyce met at home plate, and they hugged. The entire stadium stood and gave them both a standing ovation for their civility, kindness, and sportsmanship. In fact, on Friday, our U.S. State Department issued the following statement. This is the State Department. This is is what they said. Galarraga deserves credit for the display of grace and sportsmanship that he has given us in the wake of his 28-out perfect game. We certainly salute him and what he has done for the good of the game as a proud son of Venezuela and the Detroit Tigers. Folks. What happened here was a little slice of heaven, heavenly wisdom, in a decidedly hellish world, a little bit of civility and kindness in this decidedly uncivil and unkind world. This is what the wisdom from above looks like. And it's so hard to do, isn't it? Especially when we're right. But see, gentle. Back to our list in verse 17. Gentle means that we drive, that we live with a gentle disposition, that when we're following a guy in front of us and we're late to an appointment and we're in a traffic jam and this guy wants to cut in and merge, we slow down and wave him in with a smile on our face and say, you know what? I trust the Lord. That's not my instinct. My instinct is to speed up get one inch from the bumper of the guy in front of me and pretend like I don't see him. That's wisdom from below. God wants us to live by the wisdom from above. Next, open to reason. Open to reason in verse 17. Wisdom from above is willing to submit to persuasion or open to reason. Here's the question for us all. Are we easy to be appealed to? Can someone come to us with something we may not agree with and say, can I bring something to your attention? Can I reason with you? Is that a pleasant experience for people who want to speak to us that way? Or are we willing? Are we just, we're going to make out a battle every time. Are we easily entreatable? Are we easily persuadable? That's what it means by open to reason. Are we willing to listen even when we may not agree? You see, the Bible talks someone who is not easily teachable, not easily persuadable. The Bible calls that person a fool. A fool. Here, it's a person living by the wisdom from below. Next, full of mercy and good fruits. In verse 17, full of mercy and good fruits. What I love about this one is, is this, this saying from Kent Hughes and his commentary. Mercy is wisdom in action. That's why I believe those two are together. Mercy is wisdom in action. If you recall, two weeks ago, James asked this question. Can faith without works save you? And then he gives an an illustration that says, no, it cannot. He says, well, I'll tell you what. Is it any good, is what he says. Is it good enough to save you? Is it any good? He says, I'll tell you what. If you see someone walk in who is poor and doesn't have any clothing, and you say to them, hey, man, God bless you. May you be warm and may you be fed. Not going to give you any clothes or food, but man, may you be really warm and fed. And he says, what good is that? The answer is none. Here, he says it a little differently he says if you live by the wisdom from above you will be merciful and mercy mercy is wisdom in action it's helping others with the generous spirit are you generous are you generous with your time your talents your treasure if so you're living by the wisdom from above next impartial impartial wisdom from above it's steady it's consistent and it never vacillates it's steady It's consistent, and it never vacillates. And finally, it's sincere. Wisdom from above is sincere. Another way to translate that is without hypocrisy. Are we what we seem to be? Are we what we seem to be? Well, point three. We've taken a look at a definition of wisdom. We've differentiated between wisdom from above, wisdom from below. Now we want to determine to live a life that pleases the Lord. Look at verse 18. Look at verse 18. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What is a harvest of righteousness? Well, that word righteousness, it simply means this, living a life that pleases the Lord. Living a life that pleases Righteousness is doing what God says he wants you to do. Righteousness is driving and doing the right thing when the guy cuts you off. Righteousness is driving when you're late and you're, doing, you're going a pretty good clip and the light turns yellow and you got that quick decision. Like the one I didn't make this morning properly. Do I slow down? Or do I do like most people in Miami who see a yellow light is like a super green light? It means ig- ig- ignite the afterburners. <laughs> so righteousness here, listen to me, Righteousness means that we live by the wisdom from above. Wisdom from above is not knowing exactly God's plan perfectly. That's not what it's talking about here. Wisdom from above is living rightly in a world where you don't know what's going to happen next. Will I respond properly? Today, in fact, in just a few minutes, Corey and I are going to go running out the door, jump into Patrick's car, and he's going to drive us to the airport. Our flight leaves at 1.30. It gets there at 4.20. Graduation's at 6.00. Now, here's wisdom from above. If at 345, we're sitting in the Fort Lauderdale airport and the worst thunderstorm known to man rolls over Fort Lauderdale and we get the word airport shut down for two hours. How's Big Al going to respond at that point? (laughs) Is he going to start going like this, get on the phone, and go up to the counter and say, listen, I don't care what you say. Oh, sadly, I've done that, guys. Or is Al gonna say this? I wonder what God's providence has for us in the Baltimore Washington Parkway. Hey, Corey, we got a whole lot more time to talk about those things we were gonna talk about. Hey, Jose, we love you, bro. We're there with you in spirit, but our bodies will be there about midnight. (laughs) Kiss your wife, hug your kids, bye. Listen, with peace, will it be peaceful righteousness? Or will there be disorder in every vile practice in Al's mouth and mind and heart? Do you see where that's going? Now you're probably sitting there thinking what I'm thinking as we kind of move to the end of this. How can I do that? Well, let me return to one scripture. If you can just put back up here Matthew 11, but this time start at verse 28. Write this down, guys. Matthew 11:28 to 30. Matthew 11:28 to 30. This is how we can do this. As Corey said last week, no man can tame the tongue, but Jesus can. Well, we are not built to live according to this wisdom from above, but Jesus came living according to the wisdom from above. Look at Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30. Jesus is speaking. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let me translate. Come to me, all of you who are weaving in and out of traffic on the palmetto about ready to blow a gasket, and I will give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Do you see that? And what are we supposed to learn from him? I am gentle and lowly in heart. That's wisdom personified. And you will find what? You'll find rest for your souls. I believe that's what God wants to give us today. Rest for our weary souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. God's appeal is based on an agricultural metaphor, picture. Two oxen, typically one older, more experienced with a wooden yoke, yoking them together. And the younger one is learning how to plow from the older one. And the picture is this. Do you want to learn godly wisdom? Then allow yourself to be yoked with Jesus and learn from him. His ways are gentle. His ways are lowly. You will find rest for your souls, which is what God wants to give you let's bow our heads in prayer please father I pray right now that as we look at our lives as we see the hot spots of turmoil and disorder and vileness and every evil practice and Lord as we've lived a life where everybody around us is in tumult and turmoil and disorder like the, like the crazy driver on the freeway leaves a trail of frustrated people slamming on their brakes, honking their horns, uttering curses underneath their breath. Our lives are often lived that way. We blow through our lives, cutting off our family and friends, leaving in our wake frustrated people. Lord, forgive us. Lord, forgive us. May we live not by the wisdom from below that is earthly and spiritual and demonic, but may we live by the wisdom from above, oh, which is peaceful and meek and gentle. Lord, give us faith this morning. Give us faith this morning. Oh, God. Give us faith. Just want to pray for those that don't know the Lord. I'm just going to pray for you right now. Lord, I pray for those in this room that don't know you. I pray that you would yoke them with yourself in Jesus' name, supernaturally, that they would know a life of peace and rest. And for those believers that know you but find themselves in anything but peace, oh Lord, Prince of Peace, teach them, as they're yoked with you, your ways, which are gentle.